started. By the way, if you wanted to go catch up on any of the ones that we have done, they would be found where? Pop quiz time. www.com. Now, I know most churches are .orgs or something like that, but we actually got this website long ago when there was only .coms, and so it's actually a .com www.salemfirst.com and in the bottom right hand corner there's a little thing that says podcasts if you click on that it'll come up and say launch the player and you click on that and a whole list of just about every sermon we have done since around April 2011 is on that you just go down there click on it it'll load you can download it if you want to you can listen to it wonderful any if you're interested in picking up on any of these or the other series that we've done that's where they are. All right, we're in that final day of the series called Leaving Neverland. All right. It's called Leaving Neverland because it's based on that fictional character, Peter Pan. I know what a great guy, except there's a problem with Peter Pan. He won't grow up. Now, that may seem, um, that may seem kind of attractive to some of us, but it's really not the way we're created to be. We're supposed to grow up. In fact, there is a syndrome that now psychologists and others use to describe grown-up individuals who refuse to take responsibility. They just won't grow up. They don't want the responsibility of being an adult. We, we say they have the Peter Pan syndrome. And I've known people like that. They're wonderful people, love them dearly, but they just don't want to take the responsibility of being an adult. But you know what? We also have the spiritual Peter Pan syndrome. These are people in Jesus Christ, who love the Lord and are saved and they're going to heaven, it's nothing. But they just don't want to take the responsibility of being a mature Christian. They kind of stay little kids in Jesus Christ, always taking and taking and taking, but they haven't really learned to give yet. They haven't really learned to grow up and to take their place among the mature in the church. And it's been around a long, long time, in fact, so long, and it was such a problem that Paul himself had to write this to the early church. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. When Paul wrote this, parchment was very, very expensive. He was also a prisoner in chains. He's not going to waste words. What he's saying here is really important. Important enough for him to take time while he's chained to share it and to spend parchment money to write it. This is huge. It was a problem in the early church. People who just received the Lord. And it's wonderful to receive the Lord. If you haven't received the Lord, talk to me later on. We can talk about how you can start a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. But sometimes what happens is we start there and then we stop. We don't go anywhere. We don't grow up. Paul says, no, that's not why we're here. We should be growing up. Okay. And why is it that, it, that this happens? Well, because we, I think we misunderstand the purpose of the cross and salvation. If you think that the purpose of the cross and the purpose of salvation is so that you can go to heaven, you missed it. Sorry. That's one of the purposes, sure. But it's not the purpose. And see, unfortunately, sometimes that's what we thought, that's what we preached, that's what we said. The reason Jesus died is so that we could spend eternity in heaven. And the Bible and Jesus and the Lord would say, no. The, I, I died, Jesus would say, to redeem you. Well, you know, that's what heaven, no, 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 I didn't say just about heaven, to redeem 
You. Right now. Because the biggest enemy we have, by the way, is not Satan. Who's the biggest enemy we have? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's Marv right there. He, he admitted it. No, it's, uh, it's us. Okay, we're our, we're our worst enemy. We, we have to grow up. There's some things that need to be changed in us. He died so that we could be different people. Not just eternal life people, but different people. Changed people. Growing up in him. That's what the cross and salvation is really all about. Now, yes, there are some people who receive him on, on their deathbed, and what they get is eternal life, and the Father blesses that. Most of us, though, no, we've walked with him for a long time. And my name's written in the book of, I know where I'm going to go when I die. I mean, heaven is waiting for me, but the biggest thing that my Father's done for me is what he's done for me here and changed me. I'm not the same person I was. Because I've walked with God, and he has changed me. So let's kind of go over this really, really quickly so we can go through week by week. The very first week was, uh, why should we even try to grow up? Why should we? And remember this statement? Here we go. Because, there it is. Let's read that together. We, we said this so many times that first week. Because my father has so much for me, and he has so much for me to do. Our father wants us to grow up in him because you will never experience the full joy and understanding of what it means to walk with him until you're a mature adult in Jesus Christ. And there is something that he wants us to do. And you can't do it if you stay an infant. Because my father wants so much for me, and he has so much for me to do. He says, look, I want you to grow up. Okay? That was week number one. Then we went through this, the stages of growing up. Again, it's on on the the web if you want to see these. There are these several stages that we all grew up physically, but we also grew up spiritually. There's the infant stage where we know nothing and we're dependent on everybody else. The child stage where it's all about me, 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 me. The teen stage which is all about challenging authority and questioning. Chelsea has been doing that to me lately. And... um, Maybe the first time that happened to me when I first had teenagers, which was, oh my word, what was that? 1988, I think, was the first time I had a teenager in my house. So it's been a while. It doesn't bother anymore. As a matter of fact, I sat down with Chelsea and said, good, you're supposed to ask questions. She said, I don't really know if I believe. And I said, great, wonderful. That's your job. Work it out. Make a decision. It's been good. That's the teen stage. Then there's the young adult stage where you're just trying to find your place in the kingdom. I mean, you've got some things pretty well set out, but you don't know who you are or what you're trying to do. And then finally, there's the mature stage where you go, you've got it. You know what you're supposed to do. You walk with God. There's no chance, no even, it doesn't even enter your mind that you would ever walk away from him. You're just there and you're being productive. Then the next week, what we talked about was the process of growing up. And the process is a threefold process. God uses time, God uses our experiences, and most of all, he uses relationships. The relationships that we have with one another, but also, most importantly, our relationship with him. Because we don't grow up just because we know things. We grow up because Jesus actually changes us. This is a miracle that is taking place. Do you understand? A miracle. God is at work changing you. It's a miracle. It is not a natural process. It is God intervening in your life and actually changing you. It is a miracle as God works in your life. And we actually say, in order to have... um, Here's how we grow up, by the way, in that relationship with, with, with Jesus Christ. It's those relationships. We grow up as we consistently meet with Jesus. There's that relationship for the purpose of soul work. And we call those things spiritual disciplines. In other words, as we consistently 
meet with Jesus for the purpose of him changing us, we're changed. As you consistently meet with your spouse and interact with them and walk with them, you will be changed. If you only see your spouse once or twice a year, not much is going to happen. Period. Okay, end. There it is. As you meet with your spouse day by day, and sometimes specifically as you meet and say, you know, let's talk. Let's, how's things going? Things happen. It's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Yes, he's always with you, always with you. There's never a time that he's not with you. But we have to purposefully and intentionally say, I will meet with Jesus. And we call those things spiritual disciplines. And here's the spiritual disciplines that we've been looking at. There's so many spiritual disciplines. Oh, wait a minute. Keep going. Keep going. You're right. In order to have their desired effect, a spiritual discipline has to be intentional, purposeful, and often. Okay? You have to intend to do it. I hope that you intended to meet with Jesus Christ when you came in there today. If you did not intend to meet with him, this will be a great Sunday. You'll maybe learn some things, but will it really change you? Probably not. Because what's really going to change you is you meet with the Lord. He is here right now, alive and well and living in this room. Where two or three are gathered together there, I'm in the midst. He's right here. Did you come to meet with him today? Or did you come just to show up? If you came to meet with him, something good can happen. If you came just to show up, it's not bad. Not a bad way to spend an hour and a half or so. But to really have its intended effect, you've got to say, you know, I'm going to go meet with my brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ today. And it has to be purposeful. And I want to do it to hear what he's got to say to me. And it has to be often. Spiritual disciplines, disciplines have to be regular. Now, you don't have to be in church every single Sunday. And if you're only the type of people, what we call the C&E, Christian, you know, Christmas and Easter, boy, you're so welcome here. I, any, every Christmas and every Easter, it's nice to have you here. It's just that worshiping here every Christmas and Easter won't have really the effect in your life that it could. If you make it a regular habit, something great can happen in your life. And that's what Matt's going to be talking about tonight. There you go. All right. So here now is a list of the uh, spiritual disciplines, the classic ones we've been looking at. There are so many other spiritual disciplines. I can't even... There's silence. There's solitude. There's simplicity. There's all kinds of ones that we could go over. But here are the ones we've been looking at. Worship and celebration was a few weeks ago. Bible reading and memorization. Prayer and meditation. What's the three types of prayer? First one is help. Second one is thanks. Third one is wow. Help, thanks, wow. Okay? That's your basic prayers. Help, thanks. And then we talked about meditation as well. And then last week we talked about the importance of being part of a community and the accountability that comes with that. Today we're going to end it by talking about this. Service and sharing. All right? Here we go. Now we're caught up. To understand how important this particular spiritual discipline is, I need you to memorize this statement right here if you haven't done so already. It says, blessed. What do you think it's going to say? To be what? Oh, you got it so much. Blessed to be a blessing. That should be burned into your mind. That should be in the forefront of everything that you have and that you do, that you see, blessed to be a blessing. And let me tell you that this is a hard concept for American Christians to get. This concept could change your entire Christian life. And by changing your entire Christian life, change you. 
The church in America needs to understand this. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed because God wants us to have good things. We have good things because God wants us to bless others with them. We are not blessed to be blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. This goes all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. Very good. Yeah. Chapter 12. God calls a man named Abraham, and he's going to, actually at this point, his name is Abram, and he says to, to this man, he's, it's amazing, he says, look, I've, I've chosen you. Why did he choose Abram? Do you know why? For absolutely no reason whatsoever. That's what makes it grace. He didn't choose Abram because Abram was the best man on the planet. At that point, Abram would have deserved it. He chose Abram because he did. That's called grace. Okay? He chooses Abraham and says, you know, Abraham, you're one man. You're a very old man. Your wife is very old. But guess what? Your descendants are going to be huge. They're going to be like the stars in the sky. It's incredible what I'm going to do through you, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you because you're a great guy and I just have chosen you and I want you to be the one person that gets all the blessing. Uh, Take a look. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and what? Bingo! You'll be a blessing. God said to this one man, you know, the world needs a blessing, and I am going to bless him. I'm going to do it through you. I will bless you. And then you will be a blessing. Guess what? That's how God works. It's how he's always worked. It's how he worked in the Old Testament. It's how he worked in the book of Genesis. It's how he worked in the New Testament. It's how he worked through Jesus Christ. It's how he works in the church. It's how he works right now today. Every one of us sitting here is blessed by God so that we can be a blessing to someone else. That's the way it works. Absolutely amazing. Now, to really understand how this applies, we're going to have to take a look at a different story. This is the story of what we would call the, uh, the servants, the master and the servants. It's found in the New Testament. And I'm going to give you a little background. Well, I, will tell, I won't read the whole story because it's kind of long, but we'll, we'll give you a little background. And you'll see in the end why this really applies to what we're, kind of, what we're talking about here today, service and sharing. Okay, Jesus told a story about three servants, and he, said, and he started it this way. Here we go. Again, he's talking to the crowds and he says, it will be like, in other words, at the very end of time, it'd be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, did you notice something? Not everybody gets the same stuff. Okay. Somebody gets more, somebody gets less, somebody gets a little bit, but it was always according to their abilities. God knows our abilities. He knows what we can do, what we can't do. He blesses us accordingly. Some of us have more, some of us have less, some of us have, have more talents, some of us have less. God knows us. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Then he goes away. Now, in this story, what happens is, after he comes back, he, he calls all the servants together and says, okay, now, I gave you these talents. What did you do with them? I need to know what you did with them. And he talks to the person who had five talents. And, and the guy who has five talents says, look, I did a really good job. I invested them. I did other things with it. And I've got your stuff that you originally gave me. Plus, I've got five more. The guy who has two talents comes to, God and comes to, the, to, uh, to the master and says, look, you gave me two. 
And look what I did. I, I invested and I used and I worked. And guess what? I got your two that you originally gave me, plus I have two more. And this is what the master said to both of those guys. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master. You know what? You guys have been so good at taking care of the stuff that I gave you. You've used it. You've blasted. You've increased it. I'm going to even give you more because I can trust you. But, and by the way, you might say that's not fair. Because let's face it, the guy who had five earned five. The other guy only earned two. One guy earned three more than the other one. They both seem to get the same kind of reward. Do you understand that God doesn't hold you accountable for what someone else could do? (coughs) Billy Graham has been a great man of God. Billy Graham will be held accountable for his gifts and his abilities. But God will never ask you to account like Billy Graham. He's never going to come to say, well, look, Billy Graham spoke to all these people. Why didn't you do that? You know why? Because God gave according to the ability. He gave Billy Graham a certain ability. He gave you a different ability. You're not going to be held accountable for what he does. You'll be held accountable for what you do and what he's given you. And then there was that last servant, remember? Who had one talent. Okay? The master knew that this guy was, was he's good. I mean, loved him. But his talents and his abilities were, were not the same as some of the others. So only got one talent. And what did he do with that talent? He buried it. Did he lose it? No, he didn't lose it, did he? He didn't lose it at all. It would have been one thing if he came back and said, hey, I lost it, gambled it away. He didn't. He buried it, nice and safe, so that when the master came back, he was able to say, look, here it is. I didn't lose anything. Was the master happy about that? No. The master said, you wicked, wicked servant. Why didn't you at least put it in the bank? Then I would have gotten it back with a little interest. I gave you something, and you did nothing with it. Huh. So what in the world has that got to do with anything? Well, let's get to the point here. Of this story in particular, I want you to understand this. First of all is this. All that I have comes from my Father. Now, I want you to remember that. Because it's hard for us as Americans. See, we happen to believe that what we have, we've earned. It's ours. Did you notice in those servants, they didn't have anything. Everything that they had, even what they had to invest, came from the master. And it always belonged to the master. It never belonged to them, ever. Even when they had the ability to use it, to put it to use, it wasn't theirs. It belonged to the master. You don't own anything. You realize that? You don't own anything. When um, Chelsea's mom, Becky, was, was living with us as a teenager, uh, I remember having this conversation because uh, we were in a little bit of a heated argument about some things. And um, I, at this particular time, she was a little upset because we had a couple of bathrooms. And there was one that she primarily used. And, and uh, she called it her bathroom. I don't want people going into my bathroom. And... And I said, sweetie, you don't own anything. I let you use that bed. Do you think that bed belongs to you? See that TV over there? It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. As a matter of fact, let's go in your room right now. Do you see this dresser? It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I'll let you use it. This bed, this comforter, it doesn't belong to you, kid. 
belongs to me, and I let you use it. You're welcome. I was trying to get across a point to her. She doesn't own anything. And you know what my father said to me? How about that? Right back at you, Doug. (laughs) You think that bed belongs to you? You think this house belongs to you? You think those cars out there really belong to you? I let you use them. They belong to me. Everything I have comes from my father. See, whenever you look at a parable, there's there's two questions you always ask yourself. Who is God in the parable and who am I? So who was God in that parable with the master and the servants? Well, obviously he's the master. Who am I? I'm the servant. I don't own a thing. Not a thing. This is what scripture says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I don't own a thing. My father owns it all. And some might say, but, but. I'm a self-made man. Look, I, with my own brute strength or with my own mind, I was able to create this fortune. And this is what God would say to people like that. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. That's right from the word right here. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If people in this church right now, some of you have a great ability to produce wealth, where do you think that came from? And it wasn't you. Everything belongs to my Father. Second thing about this that I need to remember, my Father expects me to use what he gives me for his purpose. As those servants were working, they were increasing wealth, but they weren't increasing wealth for themselves. They were increasing wealth for who? For the Master. Everything they were doing was for the master. That's why the Bible says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are living and working for the master. We are not just building our own personal wealth, our own personal abilities. We're working for the kingdom of God. Which brings me to the next thing. I'm going to give an account for it all. One day... Just like those servants, I'm going to meet him face to face, and we're going to have a little review. Now, I don't fear that day. You have to understand, I have no fear of going to hell, and my father's going to hate me. He loves me. My name is written in the book of life. I'm saved. I'm, I'm a Christ follower. I have no fear of that. I do think it's probably going to be a little uncomfortable, because what he's going to say is, okay, let's, let's review here, Doug. Let me show you what I gave you. I gave you a certain amount of intelligence. And I gave you great abilities. After all, Doug, you were born in the United States of America, not some third world country. I gave you a wonderful family. I gave you an opportunity to preach my word. And look at all the stuff I gave you. Now, let's find out what you did with it. Now, my feeling is I'm going to take a look at it and see lots of wasted opportunities. I thank my father for what I've been able to accomplish in his name. I'm not ashamed of it all, or even at all. But I'm probably going to look at it and say, you know, father, I did waste some opportunities, didn't I? Now, he's not going to hate me. But I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable. The Bible says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. 
all of us. Our Father has given you certain items, things, intelligence, whatever you want to call it. He didn't do it just so that you could enjoy it. Because he blessed you so that you could be a blessing. To what degree have you used these things to bless others and to build his kingdom? And then the final thing about this story. If I am faithful of what he gives me, then he'll give me more. Okay? Did you see that? The, the, the service that said, okay, this is what I did with it, and I increased it. He said, great, you get some more too. There's a great spiritual principle here, and it's huge. I need you to understand this. God is not going to bless you with more until you're faithful with what he's already given. We, on the other hand, say, well, Father, I know I haven't quite lived up to it, but I want more. Please give me more. I want more blessing. And he says, but you haven't really done well with what I gave you already. Well, I, I know that, but, but if you give me more, I'll do better. And our father said, no, it doesn't work like that. This is what scripture says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Take a look at how we even handle our finances. We're in debt. We can't pay our bills. And God says, look, I know you want to grow up in me. But why would I give you spiritual riches? You, you can't even balance your checkbook. And do you understand which is more important? Let's learn to be faithful with what he's given. See, here's one big reason why many of us are stuck at whatever stage you're stuck in. It's because we're not doing anything with what he's already given. We're receiving it. We're receiving the blessing. But we're not really good at blessing others. That's why this spiritual discipline of service and sharing is so important. Because here's where the rubber meets the road. You want to grow up in Jesus Christ? Well, you can pray, and you can read the Bible, and you, but if you're not doing something with it, you can't go any farther. A glass can only be filled up so full, and that's it. If you want more, you've got to kind of empty out what's in the glass before you can actually add more. It's the same sort of principle here. We want to grow up in Jesus Christ. We want to be those type of people who are strong for him. We want to know the fullness of the joy that he, wants, that he has for us who are, who are going to be mature. But it's not going to happen until we learn to bless others, until we work for his kingdom, until we begin to give it away. He didn't bless me with what I have for my benefit, but for his kingdom's sake. Now, here's the good news. I get to use it for my benefit, too. I've got a great house. Linda and I have been able to live in that house now, are you ready, nine years. That's the longest. We've been married 40 years this summer. We've never lived in a house nine years, ever. Nine years, we've got this great home. Thank you, Father. But you also say, now, now, Doug, but what did you do with that home as far as blessing others and helping to build my kingdom? I didn't just give you the house for you. And one day I'm going to have to say to him, okay, Father, this is what I did. We open our home for the church. We open our home to some people who need help. We open our home to small groups. and buy, We use our home. Everything is for his kingdom's sake. And if I don't use what he's given me, if I don't use the blessings to bless others, I 
am stuck. I've gone as far as I can go because there's no room to bless anymore. Until I'm faithful to what he's given me, it's done. Which is why this spiritual discipline of serving and sharing is huge. It's why I put it at the very end. We've already talked about worship and celebration, which is great. We've talked about Bible reading and memorization. We've talked about all those things, prayer and meditation. We've talked about community accountability. Now it comes down to, okay, what are you going to do with it? All Up to this point, it's all been about us individually. Oh, I get to pray. I get to meditate. I get to do all these things for me. And now we come to the point that God says, all right, but remember, you are blessed to be what? A blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Now, I have to intentionally, purposefully, and regularly serve and share. So here we go. I told you all that to tell you this, but we'll go fast. Trust me, we're, we're, we're all right. Time is, is working well in our... Here we go. I serve with my talents and gifts. This is part of that spiritual discipline. Service and sharing. How do I serve? Well, I serve the kingdom. I serve the church. I serve the world with my talents and gifts. And here's the difference, okay? The talents are part of your DNA. The talents are the things that, that came with your package. They're the standard package for you, whoever you are. You have certain talents you were born with. I have a certain talent. I have the talent of organizing things. That's my talent and analyzing things. That's just me. That's just who I've always been. That's why part of my service to the world out there is, is something what I, what, that's called a Citizens Review Board. That's where I give a lot of my time to the world. The Citizens Review Board is a board that meets once a month to kind of hold DHS accountable. I had to go through training. I had to be appointed by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Oregon. Please be very impressed. All right. And once a month, I meet with DHS and my team. They send us their case files. I go over those case files, and I sit down with DHS, and I make sure that DHS is doing their job for these kids and for the parents. And if they're not, I send a report to the court. That's what I was fact, It's coming up this, this Tuesday for me. It's perfect for me. It's so analytical. It's just great. Sit down and go over these things and then, and then sit down with DHS and ask questions and sometimes say, DHS, you're doing a great job and sometimes say, DHS, you really blew it and I'm sorry, but we have to tell the court that you're not doing your job. Okay. That takes about six weeks of my year, by the way. When I total up all the time that I have for training and the meetings and the preparation, that's six weeks of my year, about 10% of my time. That I give to the world like that. It fits me like a glove. That's my talent. Now, my gift is different. The gift is something that comes whenever you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Gifts come, the pres- come from the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the, for the common good. In other words, when you became a Christian, when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you received a gift specifically from the Father to you to be used for building his kingdom. You didn't have it before. Now you got it. You've always had your talents. Now you got your gift. And you're going to serve with that gift. The gift, one of the gifts that he gave to me is the gift of preaching, the gift of being able to stand up in front of people and speak. And you say, well, you won't. no, I was never able to do that. Never. I know it may be difficult for some of you because you think I really like to hear the sound of my own voice a lot. And I understand that. No, I understand why you would think that. 
But you'd have to know me before I knew the Lord. I wouldn't get up in front of anybody. I one time stayed home but pretended to be sick for a whole week just to get out of giving a book report in front of the class in front of 10 of my closest friends. I one time had a teacher say, you know, Doug, why don't you join us here on the, I think it was the debate society or whatever. I, I remember walking up and down outside the classroom, trying to get up the courage to go in there. And after walking back and forth for several minutes, I just walked home. I could not speak in public. And then my father saves me. And I get to know the Lord. And my father says, Doug, I want you to speak in public. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me, Father. It's, it's my biggest fear. Sin, you know, do something else. But and he says, you'll do it. And guess what? I'm not the best preacher in the world. I know that. But I can do it. And I've been doing it now for many, many years. Because my father gave me that gift. You have a gift. There is something God put in you. Just to use to build his kingdom. You're going to have to learn purposefully and intentionally to share it, to serve the, the world, to serve the world out there, to serve the church, to build the kingdom with your talents, whatever they are, and your gifts, whatever those are. That is your service. Intentionally, Father, I will serve with my talents and my gifts. And then there's something else that we do in this spiritual discipline. It's called sharing. Service with my talents and gifts. Sharing with my time and treasure. Okay? Each of us has a certain amount of time. It's called 24 hours. You all get the same amount. Each of us has a certain amount of treasure. Now, that's a little different that your father's given you. You have to learn to share it. To share that time. Because if you're going to serve his kingdom and serve his people, it's going to take your time. And if you come back to me and say, well, I can't serve the world right now. I can't serve the kingdom. I can't build the kingdom because I'm too busy. My reply is, yes, you are too busy. Look at your schedule and kick something out. Somebody has told you to be too busy. Make time to serve the kingdom. And then, take the treasure that your Father has given you. The treasure, the money, the other events, the other things that you hold dear. Those things that are so important. Those things that your Father has either given to you or given you the ability to grow. And you share those. You share them with the world. Hopefully some of you are involved in, in, in ministries and in, and in giving to the, the charities out in the world. We, we also give to charities out in the world. But most of our giving is right here. We've learned to give at least 10% of what our Father's given to us right here. Right here. And there are years when Linda's working full-time as a teacher and I'm working full-time that, that that actually accumulates. And I look at it and go, my word, Father, you know what I could do with that money? You know, how I could bless myself with that money? And he says, yeah, I know. But that's not the point, is it? I didn't give it to you so that you could bless yourself. I gave it to you to bless others. Will you bless them? Will you give it? Will you be generous? 
See, some of us, this is a hard thing. It's hard for us to pull out that, that checkbook or whatever it is. It's hard. That's a tough thing for us to do. Maybe we've just gotten ourselves in so deep that there is nothing. Or maybe it's just we don't want to give it. But this is what Scripture says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad the gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here we go. Everything that we've been learning about growing up in Jesus Christ, everything, comes down to this final Sunday. What are you going to do with it? We're blessed to be a blessing. If our father calls us home today and he sat down and said, let's go over the accounts because I gave you this much intelligence, I gave you this much time, I gave you this much money. What'd you do with it? Did you increase it for the kingdom's sake? Has it come back to me is what he would say? If it has, well done, now good and faithful servant. If it hasn't, uh, love you, you're still saved, but what a wasted opportunity. Spiritual discipline, service, and sharing. We're going to end this series now in uh, receiving communion. And I'm going to ask those individuals who have come to help us with communion. Now, normally we do a, uh, what's called our Sela time, where communion elements are